Legacy Podcast, where, judging by the interactions of Danny Green and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart and LeBron James, we apparently got a preview of the Nut Job 3 earlier this week when the Lakers faced off against the Pelicans, because there was a whole lot of nut action going on that night. Just ask Josh Hart. We are still waiting to see if he's come up for breath yet. But, fortunately, we will not be talking about nuts this entire episode, or maybe unfortunately, who knows. Uh, Tonight's episode is actually going to be a bonus episode where I will air an interview that I did with one of my good friends. His name is Ezra Justin Lee. He is the host of the MOST podcast, which stands for The Mechanics of Storytelling, and he gave me the great opportunity to hop on his podcast, uh, reflect and talk about Kobe Bryant's death, which was kind of unexpected because we had planned to record the podcast even before Kobe unfortunately passed away. Um, So that kind of ended up shaping the entire episode. So a lot of that episode is dedicated to my reflections on Kobe Bryant, his life, his impact, uh, what his death has meant, how it's reshaped, reshaped the course of how I view um, my Kobe Bryant Lakers fanhood. And we just talk about some some good, some really good memories of how I became a Lakers fan, my favorite Kobe memories. And then we talk about how I started the Lakers Legacy podcast, the creative process that goes behind making this show, because believe it or not, there is somewhat of a process that goes into um, pumping this stuff out. I know it's surprising because it seems like we're just doing it on the fly and there's not a lot of preparation involved. But yes, we actually do sort of prepare. So yeah, we go through all of that in his latest episode of The Most Podcast. And I also just talk about the podcasting industry, how that has changed since we started back in 2015, uh, what drives us as a podcast. And so it, it in reality, it's pretty much like a big uh, get-to-know-your-host segment that I don't think we've ever really had the opportunity of doing on our podcast because most of the time we are talking about the Lakers and getting into the nitty-gritty details of the actual gameplay that we're seeing on the court or what's to come in the summer with free agents and summer league and all the salary cap stuff. So if you guys are looking for a good change of pace or you have a long drive or commute this weekend, this should be a good, hopefully an interesting podcast for you to listen to. Um, And hopefully I am an interesting enough host for you to want to get to know me more. Um, But yeah, I will turn this over to my talk with Ezra in just a bit, but obviously I wanted to touch upon a a few quick things before I do that. As usual, please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times people will continue to measure LeBron's junk verticality in relation to the person that he posters for a ridiculous jam. I don't know if anybody saw that on Twitter, but someone actually measured the verticality of LeBron's junk as he rose over Josh Hart, because if you remember, his junk was right in Josh Hart's grill, his face, and someone did the metrics of how high LeBron's junk was in relation to 6'5 Josh Hart, so that was incredible. If you'd like to see more of those types of analytics, oh man, that was good, analytics, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, We have one new review, and I promise I will read that person's review in a future episode when I I have Tommy and Alan with me. Um, So I'll reserve that review for that episode. Um, But yes, we are still 12 reviews short of 420, the best number, the littest number. So please help us get to that goal of 425-star ratings and reviews. So uh, that would go a long way in helping us out. Also, if you'd like to help us out financially in any small way, please go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. You can donate a dollar, donate two dollars, anything helps, and we will soon be providing exclusive content to our patrons on that page. Uh, Lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. 
Okay, before I get to my interview with Ezra Justin Lee on the Most podcast, as you all know, the Lakers are still in first place in the West, second in the league behind just the Bucks. They are 45 and 12. They currently have, I believe, the longest win streak in the league at seven. They are a full five and a half games ahead of the second place Nuggets. And by the time you listen to this, maybe even more after the Nuggets lose to the Clippers. Um, but yeah, they are chugging along. LeBron James had an incredible game against the New Orleans Pelicans where he went supernova, 40 plus points, obviously junk yammed on Josh Hart. And I believe there's a ridiculous stat where the Lakers are 18-0 and 0 whenever LeBron James scores 30-plus points this season. So I think you can anticipate and expect more of that from LeBron James once the playoffs actually get started. And that is something to be very excited about. Because more often than not, you're going to get the 30-plus point version of LeBron James when uh, we crank it up to that playoff intensity level. So that was great to see from LeBron. And then, obviously, the Lakers faced the Golden State Warriors the other night, and after a sluggish first half, Anthony Davis turned up the defensive intensity. Alex Caruso got into the fray a little bit. Rajon Rondo started playing well. Cal Kuzma got his scoring ways back on track, got to show off a little bit of his shake and spin moves, uh, attacking the basket, going downhill even finally hit another three-point shot. It would be great if Kyle Kuzma could regain some of his outside shooting, please, uh, before the playoffs start. But all in all, the Lakers are rolling, chugging along. Got LeBron James, that load management rest day. And um, yeah, the biggest news, though, is that the Lakers' latest acquisition, Markeith Morris, finally debuted for us. And he's played two games, 14 minutes the first game, 18 minutes the next. He hasn't done too much. He scored four points the first game. Eight points in his second game, hit two threes the last game, which was nice to see. But I think the biggest thing that you can feel from Markeith Morris is just you really sense his presence, especially during box outs when guys are at the free throw line. And the thing that helps Markeith Morris do that is he has a really thick, and that's thick with two C's, booty. He's definitely got some spare change in his back pocket that he knows how to use to his advantage. And above all else, though, Outside of his physicality, um, he, he just has that mental aspect in him of always mucking it up and providing that effort and providing that intensity. And you can feel it in his limited amount of minutes on the court. Uh, but most of all, I think he's just been the definition of solid his, his uh, first two games up to the challenge when he's switched against wings, always fighting for the loose balls. Again, obviously boxing out, fighting for rebounds. Uh, so he just gives us that edge and that grit that we've been um, waiting for that added toughness, you know, that outside of Dwight Howard, sometimes we've sort of been lacking. And as many people have mentioned, Anthony Davis has been a little Pau Gasoli in the way that he, he attacks or doesn't attack when he gets the ball in isolation, often settling for jumpers. Again, I still think this is part of Anthony Davis's in-game load management program. And that when it comes time to actually when it comes time to actually put up or shut up in the playoffs, I believe Anthony Davis will be a little tougher, will bang more down low. I think this is just part of him preserving his body for that time. And in the meantime, we have Markeith Morris to help muck things up, which has been great to see. And the biggest thing he does, too, outside of toughness is just that, as I mentioned, he's the definition of solid. He doesn't do too much. He's kind of just dependable. You know, he takes the shots that he needs to take and... Um, yeah, he's been a welcome sight for this team and, and I think releases Kyle Kuzma of a little bit of pressure on his end and he's even said that he enjoys playing the wing, his more natural position, and we've seen that pay dividends where Kyle Kuzma has scored 16 points, 18 points in his last, in two of his last three games. So hopefully that continues um, with Markeith Morris. The Lakers are planning to talk with Dion Waiters come March 2nd. March 2nd is the date because, as you all know, March 1st is the last day that teams can cut and waive a player and have that player be eligible for the playoffs. So I've mentioned this before, but the Lakers are largely probably doing their due diligence to see if anyone else unexpected uh, gets cut between now and then. And if not, then they'll probably continue their interview and their trial out of Dion Waiters or maybe J.R. Smith. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. But even if the Lakers don't sign anyone else, I th I'm very happy with the Markeith Morris signing. And um, 
And yeah, even even Rajan Rondo again is showing spurts of just being effective, and I think you'll see that more consistently in the playoffs. But even without Rajan Rondo, you've seen what Alex Caruso has done this past week, including that ridiculous, ridiculous block where he body slammed Lonzo Ball to the floor unintentionally because he blocked that shit so hard. Um, he did not have a great game against the Golden State Warriors, but we can give Alex Caruso obviously a pass here and there for just how hard he's been playing. LeBron James has sort of been singing his praises and just talking about what a good fit they are, and the net rating bears that all out, very glaringly so. So Alex Caruso, I think, is, um, yeah, as Frank Vogel said, uh, a secret weapon that probably should become less and less of a secret. So uh, with that said, that'll be it for my quick Lakers hot takes of the last week and the last few games. Uh, The last thing I want to say is... The Kobe Memorial on Monday, that memorial feels like it was like a month ago. I think it was that emotionally affecting that it made this week feel especially long. I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but I actually took the Monday off from work because I knew that I wanted to watch the memorial and just soak in it, and I knew I was going to be very emotional, and I kid you not, the moment that Maroon 5 Memories song came on and they showed a flashback videos. Well, I guess everything's a flashback now, but they showed like a Kobe Bryant reel to that song. I absolutely lost it. I was bawling in my bed watching this on TV. And um, I think that Maroon 5 memory song has, has overtaken the uh, See You Again song by Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth for sure. But yeah, I thought that ceremony was very beautifully done. It was both heartbreaking, but beautiful and necessary and cathartic as everybody has been saying Vanessa Bryant is a superhero just like Kobe Bryant was but even more so just because of how she's been able to handle and overcome such a tragedy not only losing Kobe Bryant but also losing her second daughter her speech was very powerful and the way that she was able to compose herself was uh was yeah just very humbling and then obviously just listening to all of the speeches from Diana Taurasi to the Yukon head coach to the Oregon basketball player who keeps dropping triple doubles to obviously Shaq Michael Jordan it it was every speech I thought was incredible and amazing and I, I felt like I learned a lot more I felt like I learned a little bit more about Kobe Bryant through each and every one of those speeches, even though I felt like I've known all there is to know about Kobe Bryant this entire time. But apparently not, because this man was truly such a rare, rare human being who just had so much more left to give, even though he had already given so much to other people. But yeah, obviously... Shaq's anecdote about there being no I in team and Kobe telling him, but there is an M-E in that M-F-er was hilarious. Michael Jordan talking about the MJ crying meme and just how Kobe Bryant was this annoying little brother to him and even on his deathbed continues to annoy him by making him another MJ crying meme. So that was really funny. That was really touching. That's probably the best speech I've ever heard MJ give. Obviously low bar to clear after his Hall of Fame speech, which was very egocentric, but it was really nice to see how far Michael Jordan has even come from then and how much he mentioned that Kobe Bryant's impacted his life and makes him want to be a better better father, a better grandfather, a better human being in general. So that was all really, really cool to see and very necessary. So uh, I hope all of you uh, were able to witness that. Props to those who are actually in the building. I'm sure you guys all cried as well. But overall, what a, what a beautiful, beautiful event to commemorate Kobe Bryant and Gigi's life and the seven people who were lost. And um, yeah, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that ceremony. Um, with that said, we are going to talk more about Kobe Bryant. And uh, I'm going to do that with my buddy Ezra Justin Lee in a moment on his Mechanics of Storytelling podcast. Please follow his podcast for a lot of other insightful interviews with other storytellers in the industry, whether that be my buddies Run River North, Asian American, Korean American band who's killing it right now on the indie music scene, or Pixar animation artists and writers. He even has some comedians on there as well that he interviews. I think his podcast is very enlightening and insightful for those who are interested in media, the arts, entertainment, and just very creative people who have their own versions of storytelling in all different forms of art and mediums. So 
So yeah, you can find links to his website, The Most Podcast, but also you can find The Most Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So with that said, please enjoy my interview with Ezra Justin Lee on The Mechanics of Storytelling. You'll hear that right after a word from our sponsors. And with that, I will bid you guys adieu. Welcome to The Mechanics of Storytelling. In this podcast, we talk with different storytellers across various mediums about how they tell their stories in their chosen mediums, the mechanics, the techniques, and the processes. Hi, this is Ezra Justin Lee on the Mechanics of Storytelling podcast today with a very special guest, the host of the Lakers Legacy podcast. Hey, 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 hey. Hi, this is Jonathan Hernandez, the host of the Lakers Legacy podcast. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm like nervous because uh, you run this like amazing Lakers podcast (laughs) and Lakers mean a lot to me and I'm really excited to talk about the Lakers. But before we get into that, I feel like there's a big elephant in the room. So when we're right, uh, Kobe's death. You guys addressed it in your most recent episode of the podcast. I really appreciated your monologue, um, but I feel like we kind of have to talk about that before we move forward. Sure, because sure. if we don't, it would be even weirder, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah, how, how have you been holding up with that and every, yeah, everything? Yeah, this was, this was definitely the toughest week for me as a Lakers fan. And um, I think as a lot of people have expressed, it kind of feels like your whole childhood and, and honestly for me childhood up until this point has kind of been ripped apart yeah because you remember like all the moments you watch this guy and what you were doing when you watched this man play basketball and I mean obviously the added factor of his daughter being with him and Mm -hmm. she was the only one of his daughters who was really into basketball and she got him back into the game after he had retired oh wow yeah he he mentioned that you know i didn't watch like a lick of nba games after i retired i thought that was gossip i didn't realize it was actually true he was ready to just focus on his like artistic ventures like the books that he was making like the oscar animated film he was making yeah um and he'd kind of been like I'm good with basketball. I'm at peace. And then his younger daughter, Gianna, was like, I really want to get into basketball and like hone my craft. And that's what kind of drew him back. And that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, the last season or so you've seen him at NBA games. And I was fortunate enough, along with my podcast co-host, to go to one of the two games he went to at Staples Center this past year. So that was in November against the Hawks. And it was such a surreal experience, like being that close to, you know, your, your idol and then seeing like, the next iteration of him and his daughter sitting there on the court side. And the biggest thing for us watching that game wasn't so much about, it was a game within the game because every like amazing play that LeBron James would do or the Lakers would do, we would immediately look to Kobe and see what what his reaction was. And did Kobe think that was tight? Oh, I thought it was tight. If he thought it was tight, then it's tight. Yeah, like that that was it the entire night. And you just could sense this like, that's how much impact and influence this man had. That wow. even as a game was going on, you're just looking to see what Kobe thinks about it. There's like it. a drama on the court, but there's a drama between like yeah, Kobe and yeah. what's happening on the court. He's like that's... this overriding macro presence yeah. over the entire game. And um, now I look back on that and it's just like, at the on, on, on one end, I'm like really blessed and happy that I was able to experience like one of the two games he was at Staples Center. On the other end, it's just like really sad and heartbreaking yeah. to know that like, I didn't know that was gonna be the last time yeah. I'd see Kobe Bryant, you know? I think that's the most <clears throat> tragic part of everything. Like, we, you didn't see it coming, right? I yeah. That sucks. Honestly, when it happened, um, and not to, you know, delve too mu- too deeply into this, but I think mm-hmm. it's important, but um, I just come from church. Uh, I was feeling really good because the message was about rest yeah. and how what true rest means in today's society where everyone's on the go. We're all thinking about true rest for us is finding peace in our workplace, our identity, our career. Mm -hmm. But that actually true rest as far as, you know, Christians are concerned comes through who you are loved by, who you love, you know, and hearing that message, I was refreshed and I went to go to my favorite acai bowl place in Sierra Madre. It's like a little mom and pop shop. And that's kind of my routine these days, church. And then I get an acai bowl and um, walked into the acai bowl place. And there's only one, co-worker in there because it is a mom and pop shop yeah and 
I'm pretty chipper. I'm like literally doing this with my hands, and I'm like, hey, I think I'll get my regular <laughs> like the Mickey Mouse walk. Exactly, the Mickey Mouse walk, exactly. And I walk up there, and I'm like kind of chuckling cornily, and I'm like, I think I'll get my basic, you know. Yeah. And the coworker was like glued to his phone. He wasn't paying attention to you. He wasn't even paying attention to me. Oh my god! And then he looks up and he's like, "Hey, you wouldn't happen to be a basketball fan, would you?" And I was like, "Yeah, I totally am." I thought he was gonna break some crazy trade that happened. Okay. Um, and then he said the next words I will never forget. Oh my god! He said, "Kobe Bryant just died." Oh. <laughs> and for the next like three to five minutes, we kind of just stared at each other, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, like, you're fucking with me. I was like, no way. Yeah. What? We kind of just kept doing that pink. What? No way. Like for five minutes. Like literally. Yeah. And I kind of just stood there frozen and catatonic because usually when I hear about this stuff, I hear about it on my own through my phone. So to kind of hear it secondhand or I guess firsthand through this guy was very surreal. And I had never thought to put those two words together. Kobe Bryant has died or Kobe Bryant dead. And in like such a gleeful state and you're like yes. gonna get like this delicious I, snack and you're it, like it's exactly. a good day it's kind of like one of those terrace house episodes where you know they focus so much on food and what the drama is surrounding that food now i will forever remember that acai bowl as yeah. you know oh my gosh like um, this existential right. like <laughs> um no wow. but like we we stood there frozen for five minutes and then he was like i don't know if it's true but it, it just happened and he could tell how kind of like shocked and torn i was in the moment he was like I'm sorry, dude. You're the first person that walked in here after I read the news and I just needed to process it with somebody. Yeah, like he needed to yeah. as well. And I was like, no, yeah, I'm glad there's somebody else in here because I need to process it as well. So That's kind of beautiful in a way too. It, it, it totally is. It totally is. And so I ordered my acai bowl, took it, and I kind of just went outside and sat on a bench for the next half hour and started scrolling on my phone to, to mm-hmm. get updates, but also just kind of to collect myself. Yeah. Um. And it honestly felt like I was living in like an alternate reality and everything, the whole town became like zombie land kind of. Everyone was feeling that same. Yeah, it's it's weird because as the moment was happening, I could see people just walking about glued to their phones mm-hmm. and they were also kind of like in this zombie-like state. It kind of just shows you the effect Kobe Bryant and the Lakers have on, especially this city. This but is like you, outside of LA, right? This is outside of LA, but like, you know. LA County. LA County. Yeah. And it's crazy to see it 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 was crazy to know i I could pinpoint the exact people who were who were like on their phones thinking about kobe you could see it like emotionally you know because the face the head was down the face was just confused and i was like that's exactly how i feel right now and honestly like usually when you hear someone has died there's like a logistical progression of what that means but it i couldn't register in my head you know i was like kobe bryant has is dead and then for the next five minutes, I couldn't string together the fact that, and because Kobe Bryant is dead, that means you will no longer see him. Like that, that, that it was like, cannot compute in that, my head. Yeah, that was the mental dissonance, be- yes. the cognitive dissonance, because you didn't actually want to get there. Right. right. And the biggest feeling I felt was just a, a total sense of helplessness. Wow. Especially when someone that big and huge dies, mm-hmm. you kind of look to Twitter and you're like, I know for myself, as a lowly normal citizen, I can't do anything about it. But yeah. like, I look to all the celebrities and, and like the su- NBA superstars. I'm like, surely they can do something, right? Because they have all the power in the world. Right. They're the most powerful people in the world. Let me see if they can do something about it and reverse this. And then yeah. I realize well, death is death. And all yeah. of these same people are also in this same sort of feeling of helplessness and not being able to do anything about it. And that's for the first time I was like, wow, we are all on the same level today. Absolutely. And I think what you just articulated is kind of a description of what a lot of people in LA and Laker Nation felt that day yes. and even maybe this past week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I I don't like calling it idolatry because it has like some negative connotations. Sure. Um, but there is like a spiritual, emotional investment that a lot of sports fans have in Absolutely. watching the sport. And so even for me as like a Laker fan, even as a kid, like we watched him on KKL9, which is the local yes. like uh, news channel, local channel. Yeah. Watch, we watched Kobe Bryant play, and he was like this like 18-year-old kid just coming out. And we invested a lot of our hopes and dreams into this mm-hmm. guy. And in the end, it was vindicating because he brought a lot of happiness and victory to the city. Yeah. But that transaction, that process of vesting in a person, it's very spiritual, I think. It is. And what people are experiencing isn't just 
a loss, but there is a spiritual element to that grief mm-hmm. and to that loss. And um, thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, there's like his legacy is more complicated, too. There's like the rape case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of like podcasts and articles about it. And I think they've been doing a really good job of, and responsible job of respecting the mythology and his legacy sure. while also uh, maintaining his humanity and his faults. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't perfect. But all that to say, like, he, he was still really meaningful for you and me, for mm-hmm. Liger Nation. And so I, I'm really glad we could still put that into perspective Absolutely. and share Absolutely. stories. I yeah. Agree. yeah, I guess life hasn't been so bright. So I've been looking just to find some light. All these emotions going crazy in me. The only one I had is not even with me. And if I got to change just to ease the pain, maybe. Hey there, this is Ezra, your host in the podcast. And we'll be back in just a moment. So stay with us. I can fake it and take everybody on a ride like damn. Life ain't for sale. I'm going off the rails for these vibrations of a higher level. Vibrate. I'm trying to vibrate. Vibrate on a higher level. Vibrate. Vibrate. And every time I listen, why you always gotta make it so hard? So how did you become a Laker fan? A Laker fan. So, I mean, this is all very fitting and it's all going to tie together, but we didn't script it this way. Um, But because of Kobe. Really? Um, Actually, what's funny is that like my ethos as a person and just like my personality in general is very like, I'm like that hipster guy who's very countercultural. Like You're I don't like what the guy. yeah I don't like what the mainstream <laughs> likes. So the fact that I'm a Lakers fan is very telling. Like I shouldn't, by all accounts, I shouldn't be a Lakers fan based off of who I was even as a kid. They're not you know? the underdog historically. They're not the underdog. Yeah. I should be a Clippers fan. Yeah. So you might be wondering, well, so then how did you become a Lakers fan? Yeah. And actually, that first championship year with Kobe and Shaq, like 1999-2000 against the, the Indiana Pacers, that I wasn't into basketball yet at that time. So when the whole city of LA was rooting for the Lakers, I was like, I'm going to be that dick. <laughs> I'm going I'm to root for Reggie Miller and the Pacers oh, just because it's fun. You know, like yeah. that's who I was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Devil's <throat> advocate. Yeah. yeah. So that first year, I, I, you know, rooted for the Pacers. Um, and then I slowly started to get into basketball because of one of my best friends, Andy. He would invite me to games because he had season tickets um, wow. and everything like that. Um, but I recall having a conversation with my uncle uh, who lives in Philadelphia. He's a Celtics fan, actually. Mm-hmm. And this is before I was fully into the Lakers and Kobe. How old were you? I was um, 11 or 12. And you're, and you're growing up in L.A.? Yeah, growing, growing up in L.A. Okay. And um, <clears throat> we were just talking and he was like, hey, you know that Kobe Bryant guy who plays for the Lakers? I was like, yeah, I know of him. I don't really follow him. He's like, I don't like that guy. I was like. Your Laker friend friend? My my uncle. My oh, uncle who's a Celtics fan. So I, I was having this conversation on the phone. He's just like, yeah, I don't like that guy. And I was like, why? And then my uncle was like, he's too cocky. He thinks he's Michael Jordan. I don't like him. <laughs> and so when he said that, it kind of, the rebellious part of me started to like turn. And I was like, even though it's like my uncle is not mainstream or whatever, the, yeah. what he's saying, like just me shifting away from what he said that kind of led me to be like why does he have such a visceral hate for this man it kind of makes Mm. me want to see why so i started to like dig into kobe bryant deeper and then that 2001 season that was when i fully invested myself in lakers basketball yeah and as i watched kobe to see whether or not my uncle's criticisms of him lined up and whether he was cocky i was like this guy looks like michael from what i used to watch he's kind of close you know for sure and if he's not it's very he's very fun to watch yeah um and then i i realized that outside of la a lot of people held my uncle's disdain for kobe see that's the realization though you were in la so you're just like trying to be anti the people in la but then you realize there's a world and the world hates yes exactly the world loves michael jordan first and foremost Mm. and now even though I'm in LA in this bubble, like you said, where it seems mainstream, I'm like, oh, actually, until this kid proves it, they hate him because he's trying to be something he's not. I see. So that's when something clicked. You're yeah. like, oh, I don't need to be against LA. 
you need to be against like everybody else. Yeah. You know, I want to see this kid prove them wrong because to, oh, to the wow. world, Kobe Bryant is an underdog because he is this like hokey copy of Michael Jordan trying to be like Michael. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I want to see if he can live up to it. Yeah. And so from then on, it was like the rest is kind of history from there. And obviously, you know, they win the championship that year yep. and then they win the next year. Yep. And then there's a little lull period, but then Kobe brings it all back together. And yeah. um, that's how I became a legacy. Dude, yeah. that's, that's, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess to kind of like segue into the next logical talk thing to talk about, what is your favorite Laker memory? Like we're talking oh, about you man. as a Laker fan as a kid. I don't know if it's from your childhood. Maybe right, it's like more right. recent. I mean, not to sound hokey, but like my favorite Lakers memory is all of them before last Sunday, <laughs> January oh, 26, 2020. Yeah. Um, just because I can... It is kind of like this supplementary through line of your life, right? Yeah. Um, and even even in the conversations that you've had with relatives or other friends where there are disagreements about Kobe Bryant or the Lakers, those are still conversations with friends that you can yeah. remember, you know, that, that kind of knit you guys together. Um, but with regards to like an actual um, tangible memory of the Lakers, um, it's actually not a basketball game per se. Wow. Um, it is Kobe-centric again. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> But I remember three years ago at this point, um, during my birthday, um, me and my girlfriend at the time, uh, we went out to Long Beach to go kayaking. And uh, I was really excited about that. Uh, Parked our car on on the sidewalk and then made our way over to the beach. And in Long Beach, the particular area that we were at, in order to get to the actual beach area and the kayaking area, you have to cross through like um, this basketball court. Mm hmm. And so we're crossing through there, and it's semi-concealed. They had, like, tarp or whatever on the sides, but you could see through a little bit of it and, and realize that there was, like, a you could see through a basketball court. Yeah. And so we're just walking, and then we pass the basketball court, and then I realize through my peripherals that I saw a silhouette that <laughs> kind of looked like Kobe. Like, I saw his egg, <laughs> egg-shaped head. And then I told my girlfriend at the time, I was like, hey, hold on, can we can we backtrack a little yeah. bit? I was like, I don't know if I, if I saw correctly, but... I swear I saw like yeah. a shadow that looked like Kobe. So we look back and then, uh, and then I see a guy in like normal, sh- uh, like a normal shirt and jeans, like shooting hoops. Yeah. Um, and during this time, Kobe had been injured the season prior. Like he tore mm-hmm. his Achilles and then he like hurt his knee. Oh and my. so seeing this guy kind of shoot baskets, it was a very, um, laissez sort of shooting, like just very casual. Mm-hmm. But I was like, is that, I'm like probably like a hundred feet away. I was like, is that Kobe? And then a couple kids sidle up to us and I asked them, I was like, is that Kobe? They're like, yeah, that's Kobe. That's Kobe. And I was like, oh my God. And so (laughs) for the next 30 minutes, we stay at that exact spot. I pull out my phone. I actually have video of it. That's amazing. And then I just film him like casually shooting baskets. Yeah. And then we realize later it's for a commercial. It's actually for a FIFA commercial. Oh wow. And Kobe's through this time kind of been recovering and I guess his... All he could do was kind of shoot from his shoulder. Yeah. Um, Which is why he was kind of yeah, shooting yeah. in that style. But it, I think that's my favorite Laker memory because it was so unexpected. Like, yeah. it was my birthday. I was like, happy birthday to yeah. me. Didn't expect to see Kobe Bryant randomly shooting hoops next to the beach at Long Beach, like about to kayak. And that'll I'll for, forever remember that just that's, because of how random it was. But yeah. also, you are afforded very limited opportunities like that to kind of see your idol and be that close to them. I love that. I love that. Surprise is at the heart of joy. Yes, Uh, exactly. I'm really curious about how you came up with your podcast idea Mm -hmm. and maybe some challenges where you got like, where it was hard to get started or or, like things you had to overcome. Yeah. Can you talk to me through a little bit about that? So back in 2015 at the time I was working at Fox in Century City and I had a long commute because I was commuting mm. from Arcadia to Century City. So that's SGV to West L.A. And oh, my so God. That's like f- an hour, right? An hour, an hour would be good for me. That would be a good day. Oh, one terrible. way. Um, so I did that like five days. Yeah, five days a week for about three years. Oh. And you know what got me through those times? <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, even, even 2015, there were podcasts, but the boom... The podcast boom didn't really happen hmm. till like 2016, 17. Right. Now everybody and their mom has a podcast, yeah. right? I have a podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and your mom does too. Yeah. No, but, uh, and you have her on sometimes. But um, before then, it was like, there was like 
kind of like a mystic veil around podcasts where people mm-hmm. didn't really realize that, oh, I can do this too. I just need to do a little bit of research. But back mm-hmm. then there weren't even like free podcast platforms. You had to do the extra legwork of yeah. like, got to host it on this site and then right. link it up to iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. So I understood there was always that wall of like, if people wanted to start one, they always thought that they had to be like, legitimate already right. or like have the backing and all that stuff like you need some technical knowledge to right, get set right. up tool wise right exactly yeah um but as i was like listening to these random podcasts i realized that and, and they were usually like fantasy sports podcasts or basketball podcasts the few that were out there mm-hmm. i realized that these people that i were i was listening to they weren't like big sports personalities or um nba personalities Mm -hmm. they were just random dudes who i enjoyed their insightful commentary and i thought they were humorous Mm. but for the most part they were normal people like you and me Mm. and i realized wait i i can probably do this too i have a background in you know media and entertainment i I know how to market stuff i was in marketing for fox at the time not that you need to be in marketing to have good ideas obviously it just gives you a good foundational i bet um, that helped when you're marketing yeah yeah because it it just shows you like the details that go into finally pushing out a product right yeah which yet the smallest things that you should be thinking about yeah um so i i realized that i can do this for lakers fans actually the biggest thing i realized was that there was a market inefficiency for lakers podcasts at the time today there's 30 Lakers podcasts out there, you know, but back then I kid you not, there was maybe two and uh-huh. one of them was the official Lakers right. like podcast and they only updated like once every three months. Oh, that's not enough at all. Not like, at all. If you're a fan, you want to know like even like ev- after every game, like what's going on. Right. right. And they, and the Lakers, I guess at that time solely relied on, um, 710 ESPN, their, their radio broadcast mm. studio. But I realized listening to podcasts and through these drives, I was listening more to what I wanted to listen to on my iTunes app queue versus huh. actual radio, even yeah. sports related wise. And something that I've learned over, over time is that, you know, podcasting essentially has become, you know how they say like the internet and streaming killed TV. Yeah. It's kind of like podcasting killed radio. It is um, killing radio, I think. And, and podcasting in essence, if I could parallel it to something else, it's kind of like if you put Netflix and YouTube together, mm-hmm. that's podcasting mm-hmm. because there are a lot of content creators who are not celebrities but they're still pumping out content that anybody right. can listen to kind of like youtube sure and then the netflix element of that is you you as the listener can queue up what you want to listen to and you can listen to it at any time mm-hmm. and that's where the value of podcasting comes from hmm. right you and you can also binge it if you want to yeah if it's not like a sports podcast that's time sensitive yeah and you're just listening to like a serialized story or whatever yeah man queue up like 10 of those and yeah. you're good you know that's, that's right. netflix that's right um and so I kind of realized that early on, 2015, one, there's no Lakers podcast that is doing this on like even a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And if they are doing it, they're not talking about like the nitty gritty details of the salary cap mm-hmm. and how much like players are making. And everybody's doing that, that nowadays. But back in 2015, there, there were no podcasts and like knowledge enough hosts yeah. to break that down for fans. It sounds like uh, you wanted a thing which was more free, like a podcast that updated more frequently yeah. and you wanted a certain type of content, but it wasn't available. Yes. And so by you wanting something and not finding it there, you actually identified uh, a low supply issue right? yes, that exactly. you could maybe fill. Yeah, you have to make it yourself, create mm-hmm. it yourself. And um, the other component of this is me and my, my co-host Tommy, we, over the last three years, even before this, we had like a message thread going on Facebook where we would talk about the Lakers and basketball in general. So you guys were already talking about this all the time. In written form, we were doing it already. And I was like, you know, even if nothing comes of this podcast venture, Mm -hmm. I would like a more productive way of archiving our audio in general, you know, our discussion. So we can even look back at them if if we want to. So there was always always that component of like, let's just do it for fun as a creative outlet for me, but also just like, it's cool to archive like your good thoughts and these are insightful and nuanced thoughts that not even the mainstream radio is even talking about it's all kind of like vanilla surface level stuff yeah and we're getting into like theories and like personalities of these players and why it's affecting how they play Mm -hmm. and then this summer this is how much cap space we have and this is how they're gonna have to divvy up their money to get the guys that they want yeah they never go that in depth into that stuff now they are because they're forced to Mm -hmm. because like the podcast game is forcing them to so we were kind of at the 
I don't want to call us forerunners because we're still like a very hipster <laughs> podcast. And I branded us as that, you know, <laughs> that hipster mentality of like, we're going to go below the like, surface. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we're different. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what went into like my branding of like the Lakers legacy. Nice. You know, we, we want to be that podcast that you know, you can go in depth with, but still feel like you're with a bunch of buddies at a bar talking over beer. But to compete with podcasts, like the more formal podcasts, like the ESPN podcasts, they're trying to do the same thing now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you'd still do something different from them, Mm -hmm. which is provide every man perspective. Yes. Right. They're not every man's. They're like, they're uh, the clergy. You guys are like the lay people. Yeah. Yeah. and, And also they, they, know how to bring out hot takes that even if they don't believe it themselves will just spur on discussion Mm -hmm. we don't try to do that we try and give you like how we feel in the moment and i think fans really appreciate that that's more authentic i believe Yeah. yeah so i think that's what went into my calculus of starting it back then and with regards to like challenges i faced i think mm-hmm comparable to anything in life when you want to start a new venture and you probably have experienced this for yourself as well the biggest challenge was the mental obstacle hmm. okay so before that there's obviously the, the logistical obstacle of like how do i go about doing this yeah. you know and and that's easy because you just kind of research it and you're like okay i gotta buy this gear this gear's cheap and then this this is easy for my co-host mm-hmm. to pick up and you google it and then right. it gives you information <clears throat> yeah you just follow the steps yeah essentially it's like ikea online (laughs) ikea right (laughs) do it yourself (laughs) furniture slash podcast (laughs) um you you host it you got to pay a hosting fee that's fine we'll invest a little bit into this okay and then the next step is just like you know gaining a rapport with your co-hosts because even if you've been doing in written form let's see how we vibe off each other audio wise so there's that logistical aspect yeah but outside of that there was the mental one of just like uh is this possible? Is like, this possible? I, yeah. Like, is anybody actually going to listen to this? Is just mm. just like a vain venture? But I mean, the way that I got over that was, like I told you earlier, it's not necessarily like a fake it till you make it mentality, but it's kind of like, well, what's the silver lining even if this doesn't like pop off? Yeah. Like what's at the core of this? And I realized mm-hmm. that the core of this was just like for myself as someone who's always dabbled in media, like I've made music videos and like I I'm consider myself a writer mm-hmm. uh, photographer like I always need some sort of creative outlet and if yeah. I'm at a job where like that's only being fulfilled like at 15% of the capacity like I need to be doing something else on the side that helps you know um, scratch that itch yeah and so I was like well this can be another thing that kind of keeps me keeps my gears turning that's awesome you know and then yeah. also I was like it's just going to be fun for me and my co-host. And again, productive to have, you know, Mm. our conversations archived in this way. So I Mm -hmm. always kind of kept that perspective over it. And I said, if it somehow pops off, then even better, that would be the cherry on top. But at the root Mm -hmm. of it is fun, joy, right. Right. uh, Doing something you like kind of never losing that perspective. Mm -hmm. That's great. But then internally too, I have that marketing, you know, like background that's just like, Oh, we're going to try and make this pop. You're still going to try, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You're never going to not try. Hey there, this is Jason Bentley on Morning Becomes Eclectic at KCR. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is Ezra, your host on the podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment. So stay tuned. And I I think one thing that I also realized early on, too, was and that you're realizing now Mm -hmm. is that I need guests on to kind of help (laughs) us to change up the dialogue flavors. Right. And also to take advantage of like their networking platform Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well. Sure. You know, and and get people just hearing our name and just being like, let me listen to this. Do I Mm -hmm. like the hosts and stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, And so early on, like I reached out to just like, you know, 
NBA scouts who could talk about the Lakers draft player or like um, a prominent blogger for another team that I really respected. And mm-hmm. he also had a podcast. And, and from there, kind of just with all this stuff, it's about just like demystifying a lot of the layers mm. and, and the red tape that you think is there. Yeah. A lot of people are like, how'd you get that guy on? I'd be like, well, I asked. You just ask, <laughs> you right? know, you like the slide the into their DMs and just, you know, shoot your shot yeah. you know, with anything in life. Um, Did you find like a strategy or an approach that you found uh, more winsome than other ways? Um, for the most part, I probably had like an 85% hit rate in terms of wow. the people that I reached, Did you have like a good, reached out. Like, nice profile photo. Oh, you know, I think that, I mean, that, that, go, that obviously goes into it. And uh-huh. I think another important lesson was just legitimizing yourself or finding your own legitimacy even before mm-hmm. other people have necessarily even caught on to what you guys do. Mm. It's like you have to believe that for yourself. I you see. Know? And I think you know that too. It's like you can't sell yourself short even if you've done nothing. So you got to believe in the worth of your podcast, your right. work, yourself. Right. And then once you can do that, it might carry over in your messaging. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And then you kind of like assume that position just naturally, yeah. you know. And I used to be- I used to think that was like that's what fake it till you make it was about. But then yeah. I realized fake it till you make it is such a has a negative connotation to it. So I kind of yeah. like to reframe it as just speak it into existence, you know, yeah. speak it into existence and walk into that place and, and believe in your own legitimacy. Because yeah. if you don't create your own legitimacy, nobody else will. I love that, especially given what you said in the beginning yeah. uh, about your church service mm-hmm. and how what you learned today was about who you are and what you're worth mm-hmm. is dependent on who loves you, yes. who you're loved by. Exactly. I think it's I think it's similar. Like, who do you listen to for self, for your self-worth? Mm-hmm. And it's similar to that love thing. Like if you can find someone, something that can root you, yeah. then I think that's just really more power to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was obviously one of the the main things I grappled with when going into this. It's like when I reach out to people, I have to tell them. And at this point, by the time I'm getting really big guests, mm-hmm. like we've established ourselves enough where we're getting this many listeners and downloads. Mm-hmm. And I can tell them how many iTunes rating and reviews we have. Wow. And so I always had this like... Um, kind of like a canned response not a canned response but i always tailored it to who i was reaching out to but also gave them just info on our uh, podcast almost like a deck you know like a short deck in email form yeah shooting it to them so that they know like even if we do do this (laughs) at our homes or whatever it doesn't feel that way you know the way you package it and deliver messages is very important and i think that's something you learn in marketing obviously um and so like they have to believe we're legit Mm -hmm. even though I, i i believe we're legit but you know people who listen to us all often think like we have our own studio and there's like many interns backing us. No, we don't. It's, it's me. I'm doing everything. You know, my co-hosts call in from their drive sometimes yeah. from work, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it starts there. That mental aspect of uh, believing in your own legitimacy and then slowly working your way towards actually making that, you know, a reality. Yeah. Um, and we've had some real, I think the other aspect that came through this that I really appreciated that, Um, I was like, you know, it's okay if we never get really big because just having Mm. the opportunity to talk to some of these people is really life enriching, you know, and I really learned a lot. Like these guests, you mean? Yeah, these guests. And, you know, we've been able to, I think our biggest guests have been um, Lonzo Ball's former high school coach, Steve Bake. Wow. Which was great because he's a Korean American and I'm I'm Mm. huge into like Asian Americans and entertainment and that stuff. So it kind of just all worlds colliding too. That's awesome. And then the other thing is Steve Bake used to go to Arcadia High School where like me, Tommy and Alan, my other co-hosts, we all went to. And he used to play for the Apache High School basketball team as well. And he was also like one of our faculty leaders at the Christian club at the time. So oh, we already wow. had that connection. There's so a lot of connections. Yeah. So kind of just like, um, so sliding into his DMs was really easy because we mm-hmm. had that established connection. But just the fact that we were like, wow, this is truly three degrees of separation from Lonzo Ball. This guy coached him for four years and hmm. he's giving us insight that nobody else has. He, not even his UCLA coach who only had him for one year. Yeah. Coach Bate got to see Lonzo Ball when he was a freshman and saw his progression um, as a senior and that yeah. for me was like whoa these stories he's telling is like they hit so much harder yeah and, and they're more formative ex- years exactly. of his like basketball life right exactly so mm-hmm. that was one really great guess that i was like wow that was awesome and then the other two uh drew hanlon of pure sweat basketball now mm-hmm. he is like world famous like um physical trainer for like some of the top nba athletes in wow. the league um, and at the time we were interviewing him uh, to talk about Jordan Clarkson, who was on the Lakers back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also like, 
oh, you work with this guy. You're going to work out with this player in an hour after this interview. That's amazing to even just think about, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and then one of his colleagues, Alex Bazell, we had the chance to talk to him. He was actually working with Kobe Bryant at the Mamba Academy, training his daughter too. Wow. Um, and so to look back on that interview, like there's like a, definitely a weight and importance there that I was like, well, I'm glad I was able to, through this podcast, able to facilitate just yeah. even talking to people like this, you know? Sure. We haven't gotten an NBA player yet, but we're very yeah. close, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but even the three degrees of separation thing, I learned early on, like, there's a way, there's an angle here that I can take that other people aren't, not even mainstream, hmm. you know, radio, where if you can't get the player himself, can you get maybe who trained him in high school? Right. You know, and, yeah. and these people are telling you, like you, you mentioned, um, about their formative years, which yeah. nobody typically hears about. These are the like the origin stories, the backstories, yes, yes. the the drama that people want to hear about. Right. right. Or cool. like three degrees of separation from who is there, who's preparing their food. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stuff, something silly like that that, that you don't is think hilarious. would be, you know, Oh my God, that, rem but that reminds me. My cousin, uh, he was telling me like, hey, don't tell this to anyone, but my friend, he cooks for Kobe Bryant. Whoa. And Kobe Bryant... He likes to sneak in chocolate chip cookies at night. And oh, that's, yeah, that's like stuff an like awesome that. tidbit of info yeah. that not a lot of people know. I don't you know, know if it was actually chocolate chips, but it was something like a guilty pleasure. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, snap. Yeah, Even yeah. he cheats. Exactly. <laughs> On food days. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. So obviously, um, that's what I told myself, too. Like, I, I don't I don't know, like, how long we're going to keep doing this. I don't know mm -hmm. how big we're going to get. But just, like, the camaraderie that we've formed together yeah. as brothers and then just somehow gaining a following, but also being able to, like, talk to these people like that's an experience that i'll you know if i had never done this mm. those things would not have happened yeah and i think uh your success is really great it must feel good but it also i think is indicative of the kind of influence your stories are having mm -hmm. like the dialogue you're having yeah. it's it's actually important to a lot of people right so right. i think you're providing something that's meaningful for a lot of people's oh, lives so thank that's, you that's great I'm also curious about like what you do tactically for the marketing mm -hmm. like can you talk a little bit about your experience um with marketing your with your podcast so for marketing as you know because you have a marketing background as well right? no i don't you don't oh i thought you did okay i got a really bad grade in marketing <laughs> <laughs> that was like the one class yeah okay. um so i did marketing for fox and then shortly thereafter for dreamworks international promotion specifically um, i've now transitioned into production because i want to become a writer awesome and what i realized like writing for uh tv or film? writing for tv or film oh, yeah cool um i generally specialize in like sitcoms and comedies and stuff like that mm -hmm. but what i realized is that marketing is just essentially another form of storytelling like the way you package mm -hmm. something is in and of itself a story that you're telling to people whether they realize it or not but there's yeah. a lot of like subconscious stuff that goes into that yeah like i mentioned with our podcast i was like and this all ties back to at the very beginning inception stages of my podcast like learning for myself hey, don't treat this as a joke because you're insecure about starting this. Yeah, it, don't deflect with like the, the humor. Like this is something take seriously, right? Initially, that's what I wanted to approach things as because I'm, I'm very kind of like sarcastic and ironic. And I was like, well, if this doesn't pop off, like I need something to fall back on that says yeah. like it was never supposed to like, be just anything. kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so literally I went to Tommy, my co-host, and I gave him some options for names. And I said, what do you think about Lakers Legacy or Lakers for Showtime? <laughs> like <laughs> that like is it funny been though. spelled like capital f apostrophe s-h-o like for show yeah. and then time because like get it because we're using show time yeah. but then it's like campy and oh that's so extra I cringy like yeah. for show time uh, and then i'm so glad that my co-host tommy was like lakers legacy please i was like okay cool yeah, i just he, wanted to test kinda, it yeah yeah he kind of <laughs> called you out on that like he totally yeah, did because yeah. i was like let's make this ironic yeah. and subversive and like you know people like oh they get they can laugh at themselves you are a hipster aren't yeah. you oh <laughs> but i'm so glad that we started with lakers legacy because yeah. that is another form of just walking into your own legitimacy that i was like this seems like a very big name to kind of be to put in front of you yeah but i feel like we can work ourselves up to that and so that's part of the marketing right before anything happens like don't sell yourself short and establish your own legitimacy and even even then that's not to say that you can't um you know be self-deprecating because people like yeah. that when, when you're humorous in that way it's just ma on a macro level don't be don't put don't sell yeah. yourself short and put yourself down before anything's even begun yet yeah because if you like listen to your podcast there's obviously like humor there's like joking around but it's also like structured and yes configured in a way that's obvious like there's intention mm -hmm. and there's also like this is important to us and so we're going to talk yeah. about it thank you yeah. um and i think 
I know you asked me about marketing, but I think what goes into that too is just how um, I structure and plan the podcast. Because like the content on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm a writer and I'm not a good improviser. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that I've been able to compose myself in this interview, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. And this goes back to like, it's a constant tug and pull of insecurity with all of us, right? And I'm like, I don't know why you asked me to do this podcast, Ezra. I'm not that famous. I'm not that interesting. I hope I can be charismatic enough. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the thoughts that I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but in person, I'm like, I've got a legitimate, I've yeah. got to establish my own legitimacy and speak it into existence. So this right? is kind of like exercise for it's, that it's part of your soul. exercise, exactly. Mm-hmm. Eating Southwest pestles from SFO to LAX, Orange County to my Rex, checks to my Mex. Nine to five thesis, I'm Martin more like Lex. Your palate is a cleft, thank you, sorry, next. Putting on a clinic, knock you out like Ronda Rouse. Got the humor of a cynic, take it to the slaughterhouse. You be funny, I be clad, ridden bodies like I'm... Hey there, this is Ezra, your host on the podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment, so stay with us. Get no kisses cause I'm told. Little Miss Sunshine, get my brownies a la mode. A you so grody, super sane like I'm Broly. Got no eyes but some moody tide. All you stupid foodies eat your food while it's hot. What you is is what you're not. Ain't no notion more like rack. Counting all my penny stack. Going to the future just to bring it back. I like babies who got back. I ain't Drake, but I'm Mac. I got a Nora, call me Seb. Got a menorah, but I'm blessed. Cooking that curry. Yeah. As a writer, I realized that I never want to be an actor necessarily because I don't. I've dabbled in that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I don't consider myself like good with facial expressions mm-hmm. and and just improvising and being super charismatic. And obviously, if I probably worked on it, that'd be a different. But yeah. just naturally, I'm I'm not. You know. Sure. Um, and if you look at the comedians that are cropping up today, kind of like your Hassan Minaj's or um, even Ronnie Chung, um, Trevor Noah, that crop of guys, they're not like Kevin Hart or Joe Coy or other guys like that, Mm -hmm. where Joe Coy, Kevin Hart, they're all innately, you know, like even if they didn't have anything to work off of, they could like work the room. Also, they're just dramatic people. They're dramatic, yes. So it's like kind of part of it. Like you have to be funny. Yeah, they're explosive. They have that that explosive nature Mm -hmm. about themselves where they're just naturally charismatic. Yeah. That's not to say Trevor Noah, Hassan, and all those guys aren't, but you can tell their style is very um, narrative driven. There's like a through line and Mm -hmm. they're just telling a funny story. It's almost like if you remember in high school, like good speech and debate. Yeah. Good, funny speech and debate. And I realized where I fall in that spectrum. Were you in speech and debate too? I was not. Oh, okay. But I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in marching band, by the way. Go nice. band. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, I realized that where I fall on that spectrum, com- comedy-wise, is the Trevor Noah section. Yeah. Like, I need to prepare the hell out of everything. Oh, And wow. almost write my podcast episodes like they're a script that I can follow. I won't know what my podcast hosts are gonna, co-hosts are going to say, but I can anticipate and also kind of just lead them into stuff. And you know this as a moderator, obviously. Mm-hmm. You have a show flow outline. I do too. Mine is just literally like script-based. And then I will say, and then verbatim, I, sometimes I'll just kind of recite what I wrote yeah. for myself. Do you, do you like um, also bake in time for improvisational? Like improv- oh, absolutely. That's usually why our podcasts run like, an hour plus sometimes. <laughs> um, and that's that's a good point because yeah. for myself, I realize while I'm not naturally a good improviser, because I've set these um, foundational points and through lines throughout m- my episode and have prepared in advance, right. like just having those markers um, and almost guardrails yeah. helps me improvise more naturally. Because you know like, oh, you have that safeguard, you can go back to what you've already prepared exactly, if you, if you exactly. need to fall back. I mean, this isn't anything mind-blowing, but for myself, yeah. I real, like I know some people just kind of hop on the mic, and if, if you're charismatic, sure. you know, yeah, I'm not yeah. one of those people yeah. naturally, so I know that I need to write everything out sure. and prep where this is going to pivot and turn. And b- when I do that, the show ends up being a lot better. Yeah. And then I can jive off of my co-host mm-hmm. and then it becomes improv because I've prepared setups for them that they thought were unique and interesting mm-hmm. and allows them to be funny too. That's awesome. That doesn't happen without a good moderator. Yeah. You're helping them uh, come out with the best versions themselves, right. of themselves. And so yeah. like I've, I've come to do this thing like 
over the last two years or so where I will literally write a cold open where the mm -hmm. intro is purely scripted out mm -hmm. and very hit or miss sometimes. I understand <laughs> that and it's not gonna like be funny to everybody, but I make sure to be relevant with the topics that are going on, Lakers Nation, yeah. bake that in and just in infuse my humor into it where the intro, mm -hmm. peaks, I mean, I've gotten like reviews from people that where they, where they have mentioned that I really enjoy your, your intros because they kind of keep me on edge and it's not like a typical, Hey, welcome back to whatever. Today yeah. we're immediately like today we're going to be talking about X Y Z. I'm just very hokey, campy, ironic with sarcastic with all mm -hmm. of my intros. Sometimes I'll sing at the start. You know, it's nice. just I want to keep it, you know, fun yeah. and you never know what I'm going to say. Yeah. As ridiculous as it can be, as as bad as it can as bad as that joke can land. Like mm -hmm. I like to shoot my shot in that respect. Yeah, too, you got to so. shoot your shot cuz uh, you never know if it's going to go in if you don't take it, right? Yeah, so that's kind of like how I structure things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of prep and I and some Sometimes I sometimes I've scrapped that for like you know times where you know big moments where like like Kobe's death where it's just like this doesn't really need to be prepared I can kind of yeah. just go off the cuff yeah or like an, an amazing game where all the content is kind of coming from what we saw in that game and we mm -hmm. can just kind of just talk about that yeah but for the most part I like to to plan things yeah. I mean, it's obvious in a good way. Uh, I also kind of resonate with your style, so mm -hmm. it's really wonderful to know I'm not the sole soul in the yeah, universe yeah. that like. Uh, finds themselves embedded in that type of comedy yeah like i can't do stand-up i can't do improv and i really like that story kind of storytelling kind of right. version of comedy uh partly because it's i think what i can do yes so i do appreciate that and then actually when i listen to you uh i enjoy it but i also kind of find myself analyzing it piece by piece <laughs> to see what you're doing so it's i, I think you should keep doing it i think it's interesting yeah. what you're do working on and if you ever feel like like I mentioned, I, I, it kind of clicked to me that that's what Trevor Noah and Hassan Minaj were doing. Like they've mm -hmm. scripted this out. Everybody scripts it out to some yeah. extent, but they're kind of more on the book and they know their through line of their story that they want to tell. They're just telling it in an interesting and funny way. Yeah. You know? and, and whether you like Louis C.K. or Dave Chappelle or not, yeah. you know, they kind of do that and they're like magnificent at that. Yes. They like bake in the storytelling aspect while also like bringing in like hilarious laughs. Mm -hmm. So I think they do that like really skillfully. And I think they're at the pinnacle of right. that, of that technical yeah. thing. I'm not speaking to their like uh, moral selves or anything sure. like that, but <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're kind of running close to time here. And I just wanted to, we like to end with like one random spiritual question. Sure. And so something that I've noticed as I've been like following sports, but also specifically the Lakers is it's kind of a religious experience. Mm -hmm. Like you go into the stadium, fans are cheering. There's like an order of service. Uh, there's like singing sometimes. People are focused on this one thing. It, it definitely feels like worship yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. There's like ritual. But for you though, the Lakers basketball, has it taught you anything about spirituality or faith? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Because at the core of sports and, and fandom is that need and want as human beings to be part of something bigger than yourself. And I think with the Kobe Bryant tragedy, you're just seeing how the impact of this one man's life can sort of bring people together and bridge people of all different ethnicities, religions, mm. backgrounds. It didn't matter. Like you go to Staples Center right now and see the tributes and it's just amazing to see like the widespread impact that he had and on the one end, it does feel kind of weird because you're like, this guy wasn't a god. Um, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, and not to make this like Messiah-like parallel, but I feel like you can sort of understand um, how, like what it was like to live with Jesus <laughs> back then. <laughs> I, I'm not comparing, like just to be clear, I am not comparing Kobe Bryant to Jesus. Yeah. But in the sense that, throughout his career you saw him as this deified like god that you right. couldn't really reach and i think through his retirement you've kind of see him become more of a man of the people and you saw his daily life um with and interactions with people he became much more happier um he started coaching his daughter's mm -hmm. um, basketball team and coaching her and mm -hmm. people saw him on a daily basis like they never have before so it's like almost seeing this guy that you've glorified and you felt was so far away from you all of a sudden become man you know and like you mm. saw his humanity be with you and you saw you started to hear all these stories of like Oh, I didn't know Kobe Bryant loved his daughters that much. I didn't know he like visited all these sick kids in the hospital and yeah. it was never publicized. Like this guy was a really good man and say what you will about his past ills. He really worked to try and 
you know, find redemption yeah, in that. It's almost like making amends, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the perfect example. If you've, if you've ever wanted to see somebody actually legitimately be true in their apologies of sins of the past, like Kobe Bryant has done that, you know? Mm-hmm. And in, in that sense, it's almost like, and, and, and with regards to like other celebrities who have passed before, not to like belittle their deaths or whatever, but like Prince or Michael Jackson, yeah. they felt so far away from us, right? Because yeah. we didn't know their daily ins and outs. And also just because of the social media age that Kobe Bryant grew up in, mm-hmm. he was more attuned to know how to use that and just be yeah. kind of everywhere. But those guys felt far away. It was sure. very impactful still. But with Kobe Bryant, is like, I felt like that guy was like my older brother. I just saw him yesterday. Mm. You know, I saw him at the market yesterday. He was just mm-hmm. coaching yesterday. He said he was going to take a picture with me yesterday. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's gone like that, right. you know, and the impact of having like a godlike figure that you've idolized all of a sudden in the last few years becomes somebody that you can really relate with and mm-hmm. admire and respect on a very human level. And to see that taken away yeah. again, it's so jarring, but you can also imagine like what it felt like to be, with Jesus as the disciples there, mm. where you followed his every movement and he brought people together, did these amazing things. And then all of a sudden, like he's gone. Yeah. Like the, the world will never be the same again. That's right. Again, not to compare Kobe Bryant to that, but there are aspects of it that you right. can kind of parallel where it's just like what it makes you feel inside, you know, even for someone who may not be a Christian or is unreligious, this might be the closest thing they get to sure. understanding or feeling that sense of just mm. like, being in the moment of or being in the time where such an impactful and influential person was in their midst. I so. like that. And it's, it seems like there's also a spirit of democratization yeah, that absolutely. you realize like, Oh, we all die. We're all human. There's like this existential yeah. spiritual realization there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing Jonathan. Thanks so much yeah. for being on the show. I really Thank appreciate you for having you. me. Hey there, it's Ezra, your host on the podcast and this episode's over. So thanks for listening. And special thanks to today's lovely special guest, Lakers Legacy podcast host, Jonathan Hernandez. You can actually find Jonathan's Lakers Legacy podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. For today's music, the intro music was by Eric Chow, interlude music by Rob Star, Mark Dragicevich, Kevin Sa, and Dante, and yours truly. The closing music was by John Ringhofer of half Hundred Cloud. And if you'd like more information on the podcast, you can visit us at mostpodcast.com or on Instagram at the handle mostpodcast. Oh, and uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. So thanks. Ciao.